WFLF Fine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando, and a happy Valentine's Day to you. Here on a Thursday at 6 o'clock, our first look now at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning a final report on Pulse. Details in one minute. And moments from now, a live report one year post Parkland massacre. What has changed? What has not? Next on Good Morning Orlando. No bullets fired by law enforcement officers during the Pulse nightclub massacre hit civilians. That is the finding released by state officials after a two-year investigation. More than 400 shots were fired by 15 people, including the gunman, State Attorney Aramis Ayala. I want to be clear today. After a review of shots fired by law enforcement officers on June 12, 2016 at the Pulse nightclub, All officers have been cleared of any wrongdoing. No casualties were the result of friendly fire, and my review has now been complete. The news was welcomed by Orange County Sheriff John Mina, who was chief of Orlando Police at the time of the Pulse shooting. I'm relieved for the officers and deputies, uh, the brave men and women who actually went inside there at risk to their own lives, and now um, themselves uh, had a little bit of a final closure and, and relief that you know they weren't responsible for, for the death uh, of the victim. 49 people died and more than 50 others were injured on June 12, 2016. It's quite a report, but I'm just haunted by the thought that it took two and a half years to clear the cops. We'll talk about that later in the hour, Alan. This news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Today marks one year since the deadly mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. Surrounded by the victims' families in Fort Lauderdale yesterday, Governor Ron DeSantis said... The investigations are not over and announced he's launching a full-blown grand jury hearing. This statewide grand jury will have uh, full-bore subpoena power. They will be able to compel witnesses. They will be able to compel documents. DeSantis says he hopes the investigation will help prevent future mass shootings. 17 people were killed when a gunman opened fire on campus. Orange County deputies shot at a man in Windermere who was armed with a gun and live-streaming on Instagram last night. The deputies had responded to reports of a domestic violence incident involving 23-year-old LaForest Duran Gray Jr. and a woman he referred to as his wife. Gray was not hit by the gunshots but was bitten by a canine while resisting arrest and was taken to the hospital. Charges are pending. A state lawmaker is walking back his comments about the future of UCF. Brevard County State Representative Randy Fine said yesterday the university could be shut down for up to a decade for misspending millions of state dollars. Fine later said the comment was not meant to be taken literally, and he was only trying to get UCF officials to realize how serious the situation is. And the field for the Daytona 500 could see a shakeup tonight in the Gander RV Duels. William Byron will sit on the pole for the Daytona 500 on Sunday. His Hendrick Motorsports teammate Alex Bowman will start to the outside of him in second. Those positions are the only ones locked in for the Daytona field. All other drivers who took part in qualifying set up their spot in today's Gander RV Duels. Two races that will establish the remainder of the grid, pitting those who qualified for inside lane positions in one duel and outside post qualifiers in the other. It's a chance for drivers to lock in a better starting spot for the great American race. Like Bubba Wallace, last year's Daytona 5 runner-up. He'll start in the first duel in 17th, and reigning champ Austin Dillon, who will start in the second duel in 5th. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. WFLA News Time is 6.05.
NASA's Opportunity rover ends its mission after 15 years on the red planet. That story's online at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. What heading are with you alongside my co-host Alan Spector in the control room, executive producer Mike Yaffe, and screening your calls, Melissa Fox. We're glad you're with us here this morning. Um, it, it just seemed the height of tragic irony, does it not, that on Valentine's Day, the day of the year most associated with love and the heart, we have the two most heartbreaking stories that are the antithesis of love, the hate-filled massacres at Parkland and at Pulse. And we're going to be talking about them because they are in the news. We will also be giving you uh, the latest on the uh, the border security deal and the text on that turkey finally came out late last night. Don't know yet whether the president will sign it. We are staying on that story. In a moment, a live report, one year post-Parkland massacre, on what has changed and what has not in this state and across this country. Stay tuned. It is coming right up. Headlines now updating a local story we've been following. Family members are pleading for help to find a missing mother of four from Brevard County. Coco 31-year-old Tashawn Jackson has been missing since Saturday, and relatives yesterday announced a $5,000 reward for information leading to her discovery. Jackson last seen at a 7-Eleven at Dixon and Fisk Boulevards out in Coco. Updates for you at least every 10 minutes on our top stories. You can count on it all morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. As we sadly mark one year since the Parkland School Massacre that claimed 17 lives down in Broward County on this date, as I say, one year ago, let's quite literally get closer to the aftermath of all of this and the ongoing investigations and a focus on what, if anything, has changed at the state and the federal level as we bring in uh, WIOD Miami reporter uh, Erica Rodriguez for News Radio 610 WIOD in Miami. Always nice to have you with us, uh, despite the circumstances of this story we are covering this morning. Um, what are your thoughts and observations uh, here one year post-Parkland, Erica? It's really a somber day. It's supposed to be a day of love, a Valentine's right. Day, and all of that was shattered last year just after 2 o'clock as school was ending at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High. Since that point, nothing really has been the same. It, uh, the students and the parents who become activists have really pushed the envelope in really making sure that schools are held accountable as they try to make them more safe for students and staff. Um, the launch of the hashtag Never Again and the March for Our Lives group, they've really dedicated themselves to things like universal background checks, an attempt to assault, uh, to ban assault weapons. All those things are currently moving through. They're being reintroduced in the U.S. legislature. Also, there are measures being pushed in Tallahassee and locally. Schools have increased security. You do have, through uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High Safety Act that passed last year in Tallahassee, you have a police officer or an armed guardian in every classroom, as you all know. Um, so there has been movement, but for a lot of people, 
in the one year since, things have not moved fast enough. Well, it's interesting that our new governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, has decided to uh, get a full handle on the state of school safety um, for all 67 counties one year post-Parkland here. Because my observation here, and we've talked about it a lot, Erica, is there's really a hodgepodge there. And this kind of thing can happen anywhere else. So there needs to be some standardization that everybody meets. And he's going to use a grand jury uh, that'll have a year to operate to really get a handle and hold folks' feet to the fire, subpoena power, and everything and um, and and I thought that was an interesting development yesterday. Exactly, and that was, as you mentioned, something that happened yesterday. He's also taken uh, some swift action. He removed Broward County's sheriff Scott Israel from power, and we do have a new sheriff in town, quite literally. Also, um, he did mention yesterday while in Broward County that he cannot have the power to remove the school superintendent or the uh, school board members because while the school board members are elected, he feels that many of them were just elected and they were just put in place, and he does not have that power to remove them from power, and that's going to be something that will be up to the voters in the years to come. Erica, before you go, um, do you have a handle on what observances of the Pulse, uh, not the Pulse, we're talking about that later here, um, Douglas, of course, yeah. in Orlando, but yeah. um, but Parkland, uh, in terms of observations today, ceremonies or whatever, down at um, yeah. in Broward County? There are multiple, and the largest one is going to be an interfaith community-wide ceremony. That takes place at 545, and that is taking place at the school that was close to where Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High is, and that's where many people gathered last year at this time to pay tribute and honor the victims. But at the schools themselves, district-wide, and in fact many of the counties throughout the state, they're going to, at 1017, take a moment of silence in honor of the victims. Um, Broward County, it's a regular school day. That's the county where Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High is. It's a half day at Douglas itself, but it's basically been dedicated to a day of service and love, also marking the Valentine's Day holiday, um, where students are asked to get out into the community and do something good and make it a good day, rather than really uh, reflecting back on all the negative that happened last year. As somebody who's been very close to this story geographically and, and covering it, and I'm sure attached to it emotionally uh, for the past year, final thoughts, Erica? It's been a very difficult year as we talk to many of the survivors and the, the parents. Every day when you talk to them, you hear their grieving process change. Uh, the somber situation, and now there's anger. Um, it's the typical grieving process that people go through, and what is pretty much universal is the goal is to do whatever we can to make students safer, to make our communities safer. Right. And we need to get these guns they feel out of the hands of people who are dangerous and that's where the push is to expand the red flag laws and um, the goal is activism the goal is to keep everybody safe and that's kind of really the the lasting effect of this tragedy
WIOD reporter for News Radio 610 in Miami, Erica Rodriguez. Thank you so much for joining us live this morning. Thank you for having me. Later in the show, you'll have an opportunity uh, to weigh in on the things that have changed and have not changed and need to change post-Parkland. So uh, be ready on that score. Particular focus on that scheduled in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, In a moment, um, there have been developments on the border security deal front, and uh, we will give you the very latest things that have been breaking overnight. Stay tuned. That is coming right up. Headlining the story we're talking about with you right now, a bipartisan border deal could be up for a vote on the House floor and the Senate as well later on today and tomorrow. The deal providing nearly $1.4 billion to build 55 miles of barrier along the Mexican border. The legislation hammered out by lawmakers in both chambers to avoid a second partial government shutdown ahead of Friday night's midnight deadline. There's been no word yet from President Trump as to whether he'll agree to sign it, although... I personally believe he ultimately will. Updates at least every 10 minutes in the top stories all morning here in Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. So around midnight last night, congressional negotiators actually published the text, 1,100-plus pages of it, on the border security deal and the massive spending legislation that it is a part of. Now, they have a deadline of tomorrow night, Alan. Whatever happened to the House's 72-hour rule? Wait a minute, we're not going to have this Obamacare thing where they, you know, they plunk all of this stuff down in front of us. Nobody has time to read it. And Nancy Pelosi, once upon a time, infamously said, you know, well, if you want to know what's in it, you pass it, then you find out what's in it. And we're not going to live that anyway, well, uh, anymore. So where are we with this 72-hour rule? Who is going to be able to read 1,100 pages of this, you know, and there isn't 72 hours left. What's R- going on here? Rules. We don't need no stinking rules. <laughs> Sounds like Back to the Future. <laughs> what is that? Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> there's, our, there's also badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Yeah, there's that, too. What about it, Yaffe? The 72-hour rule is suddenly gone out the window here, hasn't it? I mean, I guess I'm supposed to be shocked and surprised, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's disgusting. It really is. But at any rate, the full text of uh, this thing finally came out about six hours ago. Here's what we learned from Politico. The Senate plans to move quickly to approve uh, the funding accord today, sending it over to the House. Um, the bill will then be sent on to Trump, assuming that it passes, and it looks like it will pass both chambers of Congress. Um, but nobody seems to know whether Trump's going to sign this thing. I don't think he wants to sign it. I don't know whether somebody on the committee or in a bunch of them on there were sticking it to Trump and saying, let's back him into a corner. We got this 72-hour rule, uh, and you know, all of, all of a sudden we're going to have a, 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 a shutdown, and we're going to be able to blame Trump for it again. I don't know. But we don't know whether he's going to sign it. Melissa, do you have anything fresh on that? Not on that, but I do know that written in that 72-hour rule is a, a, a sentence that says they can waive it if necessary. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just a fake rule anyway. Okay. Well, there you go. And um, so we're looking at uh, you know nearly $1.4 billion for um, uh, border barrier money and 55 new miles of steel fencing. I think the president will see. I think he's going to sign it because he don't want to get hung with the— um, with the with the government shutdown, and then he's just going to go about, uh, as we've discussed, either declaring a national emergency uh, to use his powers uh, to move some money around and build the wall, 
or um, or not declare a national emergency and uses executive powers to tap into already appropriated funds through the Defense Department and get this done. There's going to be, you know, a hue and cry and hell to pay if he does that. I kind of think that's where this is going. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think he'll do it without declaring a national emergency. He'll just use his executive powers. It's actually kind of a smart political move when you think about it because he can still get money to build some of the fencing and call the Democrats obstructionists for not helping him get it. You'll have a lot to talk about today on your afternoon show on the ride home, Yaffe, because I'm sure there are going to be many things developing on this between now and then. Yeah, we'll try to cover it all in one hour, 5 to 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, What's going on in Parkland one year later? And, of course, what's going on with Trump? Will he sign the bill? And we got the dynamic duo in the control room working all day, all night for us. So Yaffe with PM Orlando 5 to 6, and then at 9 o'clock, your show... Melissa. Oh, yes, connections. We're going to talk about skeletons in your closet and whether or not they will affect your future because there's so much of that going on lately. Yeah, well, we all have a few of those rattling around, Mm. don't we? (laughs) Nine o'clock tonight, connection show. Anyway, Alan, lots going on today. Extremely busy. And, of course, a couple of terribly tragic stories um, that are prominent in uh, in what we're talking about this morning. Let's get into the news. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, the uh, Pulse nightclub report that just came out. And uh, one year after Parkland, we have lockdowns at a schools, uh, a couple of schools in Hillsborough County because of a 12-year-old girl calling in a fake report of uh, seeing someone armed on campus. We've got those stories and more coming up in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando, along with traffic and weather together. It's 629. The Parkland Massacre, the Pulse Massacre, almost too much to take, but the news is the news, and there are developments you need to know about on the Pulse front. Alan? Bud, the state attorney's office has completed a review of the deadly mass shooting at Orlando's Pulse nightclub on June 12, 2016. Chief Assistant State Attorney Deborah Barra announced their conclusion after an exhaustive examination of the evidence. Each and every engagement, new civilians were struck, And each time the law enforcement officer pulled the trigger, it was reasonable and justifiable. State Attorney Aramis Ayala says the 14 officers involved that night have all been cleared of any wrongdoing and no casualties were the result of friendly fire. 49 people died and more than 50 others were wounded at Pulse. The gunman was shot and killed by police. I'm so glad that the cops have been cleared. My question, why did it take two and a half years? Let's have a conversation about that right after the news, shall we? All right, bud. This news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A 12-year-old girl is now facing felony charges for lying about seeing an armed person on campus at a middle school in Hillsborough County. That forced lockdowns at that school and a nearby elementary school Sheriff Chad Cronister says the law is unforgiving when it comes to these types of hoaxes. There's no room for any type of entertainment, joke, any type of made-up threat. I think that the only way to handle this is by taking a hard-line stance and making sure all of our children know, all of our young people know, that if you make a school-based threat, it's no different than making a threat in an airport or in an airplane. Cronister says his deputies responded exactly as they should have. He said, today being one year since the Parkland shooting, heightened the sense of urgency in his agency's response. The president, still noncommittal about whether he'll sign that border security deal reached by lawmakers 
Here's the latest from the White House. The border deal provides nearly $1.4 billion for new fencing along the southern border, far short of the $5.7 billion the president demanded. But on Wednesday, the president was touting the overall figure that the deal provides for border security. The numbers are almost $23 billion, which you don't report too often. It's about an 8% increase over last year. Even if he signs the funding bill, the president has floated declaring a national emergency to access more funds for a border wall. That would likely draw legal challenges. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News. A federal judge says that former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort lied to the special counsel's team in violation of his plea deal. The decision means Manafort probably won't get a lighter sentence for the crimes he pled guilty to. Manafort's attorneys had claimed that while he might have forgotten some details, he did not lie to attorneys investigating Russia's attempt to influence the 2016 presidential election. WFLA News Time is 6.35. Get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. Updating a story we were talking about with you in yesterday's show, a Florida Department of Transportation official has told lawmakers in Tallahassee that the company system behind the SunPass debacle last summer clearly wasn't good enough, but most of the problems have now been fixed. State Representative Mel Ponder of Destin has said the contractor Conduent State and Local Solutions shouldn't have been surprised that their system couldn't handle the millions of tolls Florida drivers rack up each week. Updates at least every 10 minutes in the top stories all morning here in Orlando. News, weather, traffic. Traffic, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. What I didn't hear or see in that report on the SunPass conduit fiasco is that lawmakers are going to hold conduit accountable here. We talked about it yesterday. People should not be having to make up these tolls and trust these the Central Florida Expressway Authority and Sun Pass and Conduit that they've got it right, you know. I mean, and 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 they shouldn't have their ability to get their tags, their their their, their registration renewed because they owe tolls because of the screw ups by these or by Conduit principally here, you know, that they need to they need to pay the bill for this. I didn't hear that in Tallahassee, but anyway, back to the Pulse nightclub massacre here. Um, from June 12, 2016, I will never forget coming in, and neither will Yaffe because he was with me uh, that that um, that morning and reporting on that, and then having Mayor Buddy Dyer suddenly tell us that you know the body count wasn't barely double digits, that we had 50 people dead, including the gunman. I'll never forget that moment, and neither will anyone who has lived in this area, and. Um, the, the cops were in an impossible situation here, and I, I think the, the uh, police, mostly Orlando police, Sher- Orange County sheriffs were involved uh, to a lesser extent here, uh, did all they could do with this impossible situation. A darkened nightclub, you know, a gunman with endless firepower um, and, and claiming to have bombs on him. I mean, it was an impossible situation for police. God bless them all for the work they did. It's amazing the report shows that all of those bullets fired, 400 of them, that police who returned fire to the tune of about 180 shots never hit a civilian. They took out Mateen finally after all those agonizing hours with um, seven or eight bullets. Um, Why does it take the state attorney's office, Aramis Ayala's, 
attorney, state attorney's office two and a half plus years to get this information out that clears the cops of any wrongdoing. As one woman who lost her son in the Pulse nightclub said yesterday, why is it they could not have said this two and a half years ago? I mean, they had all the bullets, they had all the guns. That I've been begging them for this information for two and a half years. How dare they release it now just before the Parkland anniversary when people are focused on Parkland. People are always trying to give you a lot of facts when they're trying to cover something up. You know, she questions the timing of the announcement one day before the uh, Parkland um, anniversary. I don't know whether there's anything sinister there at all. Um, But at any rate, um, I think it was remarkable police work um, and, and, and against impossible odds here. But you know, they deserved to have the cloud removed from their head, and, and the families deserved the kind of closure that the police did all they could reasonably do. They didn't screw up, and they remarkably hit no civilians. Their analysis, the state attorney's office shows, two and a half years, much, much too long. What is the answer to that? That, to me, is unacceptable. And I, I don't know that anyone asked that question of Ayala yesterday. Love to get her on the show and have her explain that. This kind of thing should not take two and a half years. 407-916-5400. Do you agree or not? 407-916-5400. It happened in our town. The worst massacre here ever. And at one time, the worst massacre in American history. Text line is 23680. Where standard message and data rate supply. Toll free 866-916-5400. Main line 407-916-5400. Now I want to know what your take is on the report exonerating police. And, and, I, and I'm really glad to see that. But two and a half years? How do you explain that? They need to explain that at the state attorney's office. That's not right. Headlining this story, and we're talking about it with you. No bullets fired by law enforcement officers during the Pulse nightclub massacre hit any civilians. The finding released by state officials and the state attorney's office locally after a two-year investigation. More than 400 shots fired that night by 15 people, including the gunman. 49 people died and more than 50 others were injured June 12, 2016. Updates at least every 10 minutes in the top stories all morning and good morning, Orlando. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Really bizarre sidebar to the focus here about the police being cleared of any inappropriate action in the Pulse nightclub, which I think is exactly the right finding. Um, and the issue of why it took two and a half years to get this information out there, it seems to me that should have been much quicker, maybe a matter of a month or two. And what's behind that unacceptable delay? A really bizarre sidebar. Um, they found that um, the gunman was Googling in the middle of the massacre when his weapon jammed and trying to get information on how to get it unjammed. Yeah, the assistant state attorney, Deborah Barra, during her presentation yesterday, said that he was Googling. Uh, he was Googling to find out how to spell the word allegiance for some reason and how to unjam his gun. What do you think about the two and a half years to get this information out? I, that, I, that, that really removes the cloud from the police. I think they deserved better than this. And the people, the survivors of all of those who were slaughtered that horrible night 
needed to know whether the cops did all they could do, and it shouldn't have taken them two and a half years to get some little level of closure that that might provide. Yeah, I don't understand uh, the length of time it took to uh, determine all of this, and it's interesting that the information comes out one day before we're marking one year since the Parkland shooting uh, in South Florida where 17 people died. It's like, you know, all of a sudden these two events are melded together on this one day. Yeah, I don't know whether there's anything sinister about that at all. Yeah, I'm not sure what would be sinister about that. I'm not an expert on this by any means, but two and a half years seems like a long time. I mean, to me, to any person, it seems like, why would it take that long? Because you're not trying to track anybody down that you can't find, you know, and you've got all the evidence right there in that little building. Exactly. Plus all of the, uh, the, we call it, the autopsies and stuff have been done. The bullets have been traced. How long should it have taken? It should have taken a couple of months, tops. But this timing of this gal, she's just... I don't know why Trump both of these together. It's just ridiculous. Parkland uh, is just such a sad thing. And then to throw probe, the pulse probe on top of it, just uh, it's not even fair. Yeah, I I was just suggesting the timing was strange. I wasn't suggesting anything sinister about it. Let's let's go to the phones. We've got Ron calling in from Mims. Ron, what do you think about all this? Uh, Good morning, Bud Man. Good morning. Good morning, everybody else. Yeah, um, I think it was done um, in order to keep Aramis Aiello. Uh, from hurting anything, away from everything else, something that would take her years upon years, that she'd be out of sight, out of mind, and this way she couldn't screw up with her left-wing agenda and stuff like that. I think the, it could have been five years and I wouldn't have happy, never to hear her name again. All right, Ron, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, we've had problems with Aramis Ayala. When she came right in, she, you know, after winning the office, she said, I'm not going uh, you know, to uh, go for the death penalty in any case that comes before me. You know, and, boy, that was, that was rough. And she's also said... You know, some things over the years that that are not exactly pro-police. And on the text line, a lot of folks are taking the state attorney, Aramis Ayala, to task and, and, and rather sinister uh, in their thinking about this two-and-a-half-year delay. Yeah, really sinister. One person says she is against the cops and tried to find something that somebody did wrong, but she finally gave up, and that's why it took so long. Um, uh, another person said it's not justifiable that it took so long. Unless they respond, unless the responders use the same caliber as the shooter, which I'm honestly not sure about. And um, let's see, another person just says their bosses are liberal Democrats. That's the answer. They're just incompetent. And on the issue of the delay, this texture, Bud's been watching too much NCIS. Crime shows on TV, forensic science is not a quick process. Identifying every bullet and its trajectory, along with its source and destination in a crime scene like Pulse, is an incredible task. I don't think it's a two-and-a-half-year task. I mean, on that show, they get it all wrapped up in an hour. I know, you know? I was I about mean, to on. say. Did, did you, <laughs> in the last five minutes, really, yeah. uh, did you read the one about probably took two-and-a-half years because they, they wanted to think they needed to cover up something? Yeah, people are people are sinister about that. I don't think I'm not suggesting any of that. And I'm great to see the cops are cleared. That is the big news coming out of this. Alan, coming up, we've got uh, the latest on that Pulse report, including reaction from or uh, then Orlando Police Chief John Mina, who's now the sheriff of Orange County. Also, uh, if you drive a Honda, we have some interesting information for you. Your vehicle might have been recalled. Hmm. Only a half million have been recalled. We'll, we'll tell you which ones, along with uh, traffic and weather together in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. It's 6.59.
WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando, and a very happy Valentine's Day to you. 7 o'clock here on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. Time for our latest check on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning law enforcement is cleared in the Pulse shooting. We'll tell you about the final report in one minute. Governor DeSantis takes action one year post Parkland. We'll tell you what it's all about, and we'll talk about it with you next on Good Morning Orlando. An independent review of police actions the night of the Pulse nightclub massacre in Orlando has been completed. Chief Assistant State Attorney Deborah Barra says they accounted for every shot fired by the officers on the scene that night. There were 10 officers from the Orlando Police Department and three deputy sheriffs. And combined, the 13 individuals fired a minimum of 172 times. The shoot review, which is required every time an officer fires his or her weapon, has cleared every officer of any wrongdoing and determined there were no casualties from friendly fire. Reaction from the man who was chief of Orlando Police at the time of the Pulse shooting, John Mina, now Orange County Sheriff. Those officers faced one of the most difficult and complex hostage active shooter domestic terrorism type incident in, in the history of the United States as far as I'm concerned. And, and, you know, their actions are justified. 49 people died at Pulse on June 12, 2016. The gunman was shot and killed by police. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Today marks one year since the deadly mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. At Fort Lauderdale yesterday, Governor Ron DeSantis said the investigations will continue with a statewide grand jury hearing. DeSantis hopes this will help prevent future mass shootings. I think it's something that may lead to potential um, uh, accountability measures by a grand jury, but it could also lead to, and I think it will, lead to recommendations about what some of the various school districts could do better. 17 people were killed, more than a dozen others injured when a gunman opened fire in the high school. The 20-year-old suspect is in jail awaiting trial on 17 counts of first-degree murder. And we'll get into this with more details on what the uh, governor plans for this grand jury to investigate. New details are out on the final moments of Orlando Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton's life. A report by the FDLE finds Clayton fired eight shots at Mark Heath Lloyd, but he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Police say Lloyd returned fire and killed her in a Walmart parking lot more than two years ago, and he is now awaiting trial. An Orlando woman has been found guilty of stalking after what neighbors say were years of torment. Over a three-year period, residents of Phillips Bay and Dr. Phillips say Mariana Sechrist used an amplifier to repeatedly play loud noises, dropped bowling balls and weights on the floor, and played movies on a loop at high volume. Some neighbors actually moved as a result. Boy, what a nightmare living next to that person. Yikes. Wow. <laughs> and finally, do you drive a Honda? Listen up, more than a half million are being recalled. Hondas recalling accords with V6 engines made between 2015 and 2017, as well as the Acura MDX made from 2015 to 2019, and the TLX from 2016 to 2018, 
because they need a fuel pump fix. Sodium particles in some American gasoline can stick to parts of the pumps, and that could cause the engine to stall or limit how well the car accelerates. The automaker wants to update some software or even replace the fuel pumps altogether to help solve the problem. No reports of crashes or injuries related to the issue yet. Jill Nato, Fox News. WFLA News Time is 7.06. A Texas trophy hunter pays $110,000 to kill a rare mountain goat in Pakistan. That disgusting story is online at WFLAOrlando.com. Pardon my editorializing there. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I don't know. I don't think you're editorializing. I don't think it's just the truth. <laughs> it is disgusting by any reasonable these people measure. Who, these rich people who go over there and pay all this these huge sums of money to kill these rare animals. Yeah. I saw that picture uh, of him all proud over that beautiful beast, and I thought, yeah. that is sickening. Yeah. It is. I'm oh. sorry. It is. And Horrible. Some, some of you, don't apologize. You know, some of you who like to hunt the big game will disagree with me, but that's not the topic of conversation here. We have enough to keep us occupied as we mark one year since the, uh, the Parkland School Massacre in Broward County. 17 people slaughtered, 17 more injured, and, uh, you know, and survivors who will never be the same. And my goodness, it goes without saying that Valentine's Day in the state of Florida will never be quite the celebration of love and the heart that it was meant to be. And then we have the Pulse nightclub report uh, clearing the cops of any wrongdoing that took far too long to be generated and publicized by Arama Aielis State Attorney's Office. But let's get into another dimension post-Parkland here as Governor DeSantis uh, orders a grand jury investigation into school security statewide and an audit of these school diversion programs, these Obama-era soft-on-the-trouble-making minority kids in particular promise programs. So the governor is, I mean, the, he is really all over the very, very important issues here, you know, just a month or so into his term of office. We're impressed almost without exception with Governor Ron DeSantis. Headlining our talk topic of this half hour of Good Morning Orlando, Governor Ron DeSantis is seeking to hold people accountable for the South Florida school massacre, Broward County, Parkland, one year ago that left 17 people dead. Yesterday in Fort Lauderdale, families of the victims joined Governor DeSantis as he announced a petition has been filed to form a grand jury to investigate the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High. DeSantis said the purpose of the grand jury will be to identify and hold those accountable for the Parkland massacre and suggest measures to prevent future tragedies, and the grand jury will have subpoena powers. Updates at least every 10 minutes in the top stories. We do it all morning for you on Good Morning Orlando. Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. He's also, by executive order, demanded an audit of the school discipline promise programs that let troublemaking kids off too easily and shield this bad behavior in schools from law enforcement and from the public. That needs to be done. These promised programs that came down from the Obama administration are creating chaos in our schools and letting people like the Parkland mass shooter stay in circulation and slip through the cracks and be constantly forgiven bad behavior. But back to this grand jury 
An 18-member grand jury will be impaneled for perhaps a year with subpoena power at the order of, um, of Governor DeSantis. It's going to look specifically at issues in Broward County post-Parkland, but also statewide. Uh, and what he's looking for here is, is to find out whether, you know, what, what school systems and districts in these 67 counties are maxing out on, on keeping their schools and their kids safe post-Parkland and the ones that are not and call them to carpet and hold them accountable. Uh, Among other things, this is what I'm reading. The grand jury will look into whether refusal or failure to follow the mandates of school-related safety laws results in unnecessary and avoidable risk to students across the state, whether public entities committed fraud by accepting state funds for safety measures while failing to actually implement the safety measures. We've got a hodgepodge of safety provisions in this state, and that is not acceptable because the next mass killer, God forbid, can strike literally anywhere. And whatever the level of protection we are agreeing in the state of Florida to provide for our kids, for our teachers, for our administrators in our schools needs to be standardized everywhere in this state. I'm all for local control, but we've got to have standardization, and I think it's quite clear we don't have it, and Governor DeSantis is going to make sure we get it. Also, the grand jury will look into whether school officials mismanaged, failed to use, or diverted funds for multi-million dollar bonds specifically solicited for school safety initiatives, whether school officials violated state law by systematically under-reporting incidents of criminal activity to the Florida Department of Education. That's where the promise programs come in here. So um, I think that's great, and I like what Governor DeSantis is doing for the reasons I, I, I cited here. And he has also ordered this audit of these Diversion programs, school discipline programs, these promise programs like Broward County had that let troublemaking kids, minorities in particular, get off the hook too easily because President Obama, he's the one who came up with this, his administration, and it was like too many minority kids are being suspended and expelled for their behavior, and then they're on the road from school to prison and their lives are ruined, etc. We got to go easily on them. We got to keep law enforcement out of this, let the schools handle it, etc., and give these kids endless second chances. And it leads to a Nicholas Cruz not being taken out of circulation. Um, so at any rate, let me tell you a statistic here as we go into a break on this. This is what happens with these promise programs. Now, you tell me, what do we have here? Do we have bias against minorities, or do we have bad behavior by minorities? Now, Nicholas Cruz was not a minority, but these promise programs are built to protect bad-behaving minority kids. It's an Obama thing, okay? According to the Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights, among the 2.6 million students suspended last year, Black boys are three times more likely than white boys to be suspended. Black girls, six times more likely than white girls to be suspended. And students with disabilities, more than twice as likely as their peers to be suspended. I mean, what do we have here? Do we have racial bias? That's what the Obama theory was. Or do we just have bad-behaving kids? You know, and uh, now we're told down in Broward County by the uh, superintendent, Robert Runcie, can't believe he still has his job, that student-related arrests down there are down by 65% since he came in and they implemented the Promise Program. So did these unruly students suddenly grow angel wings down there? Or do the schools just look the other way in the Promise Program and these bad-behaving kids can 
run wild and sometimes with terribly tragic results. 407-916-5400, the DeSantis Grand Jury, the DeSantis Audit of the Promise Programs. What's your take on it all? I am glad to see what he is doing as we mark one year since the Parkland School Massacre. 407-916-5400, join the debate. Text line open, 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. We'll get to that after we get to this. An update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Just two minutes away here on Good Morning Orlando. Headlines out of Washington. The nation's top emergency response official leaving his post. FEMA Administrator Brock Long has announced he's resigning to spend more time, he says, with his family. The Trump administration was widely criticized for its slow response after Hurricane Maria's direct hit on Puerto Rico, and uh, Long was at the helm of that recovery effort. Updates for you at least every 10 minutes in the top stories throughout the morning for you. And good morning, Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. I like Brock Long. I really did. There's a great communicator, and I thought he did a great job, but um, he is gone. Wasn't there some controversy about him using uh, official vehicles for personal business? Yeah, but I think it's in the grand scheme of the work he was doing, really small potatoes and, and debatable at, uh, at some level as well. Um, Yaffe, you and I have talked about these school promise programs that came out of the Obama administration. They had one mm-hmm. in Broward. They've got them you know, scattered all around the state of Florida. This is one of the problems. We don't have a standardized response and level of safety and security one year post-Parkland. And that's where Governor DeSantis is going with the grand jury investigation and the audit of these diversion programs that let these troublemaking kids off the hook and conceal their bad behavior from the public and law enforcement. Yeah, I just have to start off by saying Governor Ron DeSantis is doing such a good job. I mean, way exceeding my expectations so far. This Alan, is... you and I are saying the same thing off air during the break. Exactly. I, I'm I'm surprisingly impressed by Ron DeSantis, especially given his campaign yep. and how really <laughs> nothing was happening for yeah. months and months. All of a sudden, he gets in office, and every day it's a new announcement, and he's doing a great job of uh, conveying his messages in a uh, a very reasonable and non-polarizing way. I concur. Yeah, you know, we're talking about the Promise programs. It's something we've been talking about since the shooting, and it's good to see that we're actually seeing some concrete action from the state looking into this to make sure this isn't preventing bad kids from being seen and disciplined the way they need to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Now let's go to the phones and see what everybody thinks out in um, in Central Florida. I want to bring in Bob on the toll-free line. Good morning from beautiful Lake County and Eustis. Bob, you're on. Good morning, Orlando. Thanks for calling. Good morning, sir. Pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Last year, I called about the administration from the Parkland schools, and I suggested that they were partly responsible. And you and I went around a tiny bit. Don't get mad at me. I'm not mad at you. I'm just listening to you. <laughs> okay, buddy. Uh, and uh, I agree 100% with DeSantis. I think he's going to be a great governor between you and I. But I lived in Broward County for 40 years, and I could tell you some of the things that go on there are atrocious. Like they have a group in the police department called the Black Raiders that would go around and harass people. I could tell you lots of stories, sir. All right, but, uh, let, let, but let's keep our eye on the ball as we mark go, one year go. from the Parkland Massacre. Uh, are you in favor of the grand jury, in favor of the audit of these promised programs? 
I am in favor of the grand jury, and Governor DeSantis, uh, like yourself, is right on the ball and doing a great job. I mean, I mean that. You know, I don't always agree with you, sir, but you have some great ideas. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. You're soaping me up. He's going to come in for the kill next call. I, right? I can feel it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the text line, what do we see? Yeah, one person talking about the Promise program said, it is a culture of fear to report anything that might be presumed racist and a culture that teaches all authority is racist. So, I mean, that was one of the main reasons the Promise program was put into effect because they felt like it was affecting minority kids too much, discipline was. So they were trying to stop that. Might be good intentions, but negative results, as we've seen. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, Governor DeSantis on the job. Boy, it's a tough day here. On a Valentine's Day, that should be nothing about smiles and love and romance and all of that. You're dealing with these two horrible hate-filled stories of these massacres at the school in Parkland a year ago, two and a half years ago at the Pulse nightclub here in Orlando with the report on that that has come out. Um, But we continue. And, Alan, I'm going to turn it over to you for a news headline preview for 7.30 in just a moment. Good morning, Orlando, and a very happy Valentine's Day to you. On a very busy morning of major news and tragic news, we shift our attention now as Alan gets us up to date um, from the Parkland School Massacre to the Pulse nightclub massacre two and a half years ago here in Orlando. That's right, bud. A mandatory shoot review of police activity during the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando has been completed. Chief Assistant State Attorney Deborah Barra says they accounted for every one of the hundreds of shots fired that night, including the final shot by one of the officers after the shooter went down. To ensure that he was no longer a threat, one bullet was fired into the shooter, and he was no longer a threat. The bottom line of the review, every officer is cleared of any wrongdoing, and there were no casualties as a result of friendly fire. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Remember when that uh, the state handed out hundreds of concealed weapons permits to people who didn't qualify because they didn't run all the background checks? When Nikki Freed was running for agriculture commissioner last year, she promised to clean house, and that process is now underway. One of my top priorities has been to make sure that concealed weapons are done in a timely manner and all background checks are done which is why this has been a big priority of mine, putting the right type of leadership inside of the Division of Licensing. Freed has hired Stephen Herm to run the division. He's a sworn law enforcement officer with more than 30 years of legal experience. He's also the husband of former Congresswoman Gwen Graham. Yeah, we recall that story and how it really hurt Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam's campaign when he was running for governor against Ron DeSantis. Got beat up on that very issue. One-time frontrunner Adam Putnam. Big time, big time. Uh, With a deadline of tomorrow night, Congress could move today on a package to fund border security and prevent a government shutdown. The bipartisan spending plan falls far short of the $5.6 billion for a border wall once demanded by President Trump, providing instead less than $1.5 billion for border barriers. I fully expect that we will get enough money to build 
the wall. Conservative Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows says President Trump could shift billions of dollars from somewhere else to boost border wall construction. It's a move many critics say would trigger a certain legal fight. On Capitol Hill, Jared Halpern, Fox News. And we continue to watch for updates on this as to whether or not the president is going to sign this. And yes. the, the text of the border security deal, lame though it is in my opinion, only came out around midnight last night. And now they're going to rush to a vote perhaps today. The president keeping his intentions close to the vest at this point. Elsewhere, a hearty serving of chicken and waffles is coming soon to your cereal bowl. Cereal maker Post is dishing up a chicken and waffles version of its Honey Bunches of Oats cereal in honor of National Cereal Day, which, like I have to tell you, is coming up on March 7th. I don't want any meat in my cereal. I just wonder, do I add gravy or milk? Oh, man. (laughs) I have some good news for you, Melissa. They're also putting out a maple bacon donuts version of this cereal. Oh, oh now you're okay with the meat. The bacon's okay. Oh, I was okay. okay with the other. I just said no milk or gravy. Or the, chicken floating in my cereal. The jazzed-up editions of the popular breakfast food will be available exclusively at Walmart and will only be available for a limited time. Good. <laughs> like, what, about six hours and out of here, I hope, right? Uh, I mean, we already have pumpkin spice cereal, so well, you oh. might as well get chicken in it and everything else. You never stop. The war on pumpkin spice. <laughs> I, 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 this I is like a war either. you can't win. you got to pick your battles, man. I, you can't win this I, I'm one. I'm on the yappy train, man. Yeah. I don't like pumpkin spice anything. Gosh. Everyone has an opinion here. On this Valentine's Day, the question, what's the key to successful dating, seems quite relevant. According to a new Wallet Hub survey, where you can live or where you live can have a big impact on your odds of finding a romantic partner. Looking at factors like cost of living, proportion of single adults, and the number of nightlife spots per capita, Wallet Hub finds that Atlanta, Georgia is the most dating friendly city in the country. Number two, Denver, Colorado, followed by San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, and Los Angeles. Near the bottom of the 182 cities surveyed, Pembroke Pines in South Florida and Brownsville, Texas is dead last. Orlando in there anywhere? 30th. Hmm. Not okay. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what these Wallet Hub folks are smoking. They come up with these bizarre survey fundings. they got to stick to whatever their core business is. I just don't think they're any good at these surveys. What is it? I don't know, really know. What do they do, Wallet Hub? Don't really care. I they used have, to know. It's, it's a financial website. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, but it gives me something to talk about. Well, that's important here. Exactly. Yeah, because otherwise I have to be talking, and we, I'm tired of talking. It's time get, for me to listen to my co-host. We got three hours to fill here. Thank you, Wallet Hub. Keep it coming. <laughs> Atlanta, and, huh? And finally, a video was recently shared on Facebook which depicted a woman shaving her legs while riding on the back of a scooter. I swear it's not me. And where where was she riding? Somewhere in Florida. Miami. Florida. Of course. <laughs> the scooter appears to be driven by a gray-haired man, while the woman, wielding what appears to be a plastic razor, shaves her legs on the back, hitting the razor against the bike to clean out the blades. <laughs> oh. The couple seems to be throwing caution to the wind by not only riding with an exposed blade, but also without helmets. Everybody's all over texting while driving how dangerous it is because you take your eyes off the road. Looking down to shave your legs while you're on a motor scooter? Uh, oh, my. Can you, I mean, can you even imagine? Child's you play. Don't, you know what? You don't have to imagine because the video is online at WFLAOrlando.com. Very <laughs> cool. You know what? On a very tough news day, talking Parkland and Post and Pulse, 
maybe it's time that we just kick back and really have a little Valentine's Day celebration. So we're going to have that uh, during our sound judgment game here. And all of you romantics out there, you can win a great double prize, including a $50 gift certificate to Golden Corral. You can you can pick out big time 50 bucks at the Golden Corral, and we're throwing in a movie as well. Melissa, you got to clear the deck on all of these hot issue phone calls so we have room for our contestants on sound judgment. You're eligible to win if you haven't won in 30 days. Company rules, not my idea. That's the deal on the honor system we ask for you to give way to other folks so they can win in sound judgment. I'm just going to ask you to croon a line from a very romantic song on Valentine's Day. And if you can sing it and get the words right, I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you are going to Golden Corral of a tune of $50 on us, and we're throwing in a movie. 407 916 toll-free remains open. Grab it, 866-916-5400. Sound Judgment, Valentine's Day edition coming up after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on... News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. Updating headlines for you right now. A federal judge is declaring that former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort lied to the special counsel's team and breached his plea agreement. The decision means Manafort is unlikely to get a lighter sentence for the crimes he pled guilty to. Manafort's attorneys had argued that while he might have forgotten some details, he did not lie to attorneys investigating Russia's attempts to influence the 2016 presidential election. Updates for you at least every 10 minutes on our Tom Stories. Our promise all morning on Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Alan Spector, and Michael Yaffe. Sound judgment contestants, time to warm up those vocal cords. You're playing for not one, but two great prizes, Melissa. Yep, dinner and a movie. $50 gift certificate to Golden Corral, plus the front runner on Blu-ray, which is the story, the true story, of the rise and fall of Gary Hart and uh, tabloid media and real journalism meshing together and ruining my life. And a great portrayal, they say, oh, by Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is awesome yep. in this thing. Um, so dinner and a show. Got it. And if you're trying to get in on this Valentine's Day to win this prize for you and your Valentine, wait for a wrong answer. If we get one, we'll open up a line for you and grab it at 407-916-5400. So as I said before the break, on this Valentine's Day, time to inject a little love and romance into the show. We're going to play a classic love song recorded by Elvis Presley. Listen to some sound of the opening lines, and when Yaffe stops the music, you need to finish the line. And in order to win... Don't just say it. You've got to sing the line. Give me your best Elvis if you want to. You've got to sing the line, and you've got to get all the words right. Here we go. Wise men say Only fools rush in But I can't help Finish it, line one. I can't help falling in love with you. Well, let's, uh, is that right? Let's verify that. Yaffe sounds pretty good. Falling in love with you. 
Wow, and we got a female Elvis impersonator yes. in the bargain, Alan. I think I think you've got a future in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to the Golden Corral, fifty bucks. You're yeah. eating on us, and you've got that movie coming your way. And you sound excited. Oh. Fantastic. I am have a frog in my throat and couldn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> you did oh, it well. Wonderful. You did wonderful. it well enough. You're excited about the prizes, huh? Oh, indeed, yes. Well, we're excited to have you here. What's your first name? Helen. Helen, where are you calling in from? Where's your hometown? Popka. Uh, Popka. Helen, it's great to have you with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. And from all of us here in Good Morning Orlando, very happy Valentine's Day to you. I am same to you, but thank you so much. <laughs> I bet Elvis could put away quite a bit at Golden Corral. <laughs> I think he did in his later years. That's why I had to stuff him into that white suit. Anyway, are you an Elvis fan, Helen? Oh, yes, very much. Yeah, you didn't have any trouble nailing that one. No, not at all. We're excited for you. Don't go away, and I'll put you off air with Melissa to make the arrangements. Okay, uh, Helen? Uh, congratulations, Thank Helen. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was Thank creepy. you, Elvis. That wasn't bad at all. <laughs> Thank you very much, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we are. Oh, sound judgment. Rush is saying, move it along, bud man. I am next. And so he is with the morning update. Good morning, Orlando Valentine's Day edition. The Bud Man, along with my co-host, Alan Spector, who is just about ready to go with your 8 o'clock news update, our executive producer, Yaffe, and taking the calls that you place to join the conversation on the 50,000-watt front porch, uh, Melissa. And uh, both Yaffe and Melissa will be working after the sun sets tonight. Well, right around sunset time with your new drive-home get-up-to-date show, PM Orlando, Yaffe, 5 to 6. Yeah, there could be breaking news today, depending on if President Trump finally decides to sign the border funding deal or not. We'll see what happens. And, of course, Parkland, one year later, we'll have live updates on that. Yeah, you got all the news and it's traffic and weather and and the whole deal. So um, mm-hmm. five to you don't want to miss it. Five to six p.m. Orlando, and then you're on in prime time with your once a week show, Melissa. Yeah, connection show nine o'clock tonight. We're going to be talking about how skeletons in your closet can really mess up your future. Blackface, Liam Neeson, all that. So. Connection show, 9 o'clock. That should be very, very interesting. The Pulse report is in, and the governor wants a grand jury investigation of the Parkland massacre. Those stories and others, along with traffic and weather together, in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. It's 7.59. WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando. WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando. And W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando, and a very happy Valentine's Day to you from all of us here on Good Morning Orlando as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning a final report on Pulse. Details in one minute. And one year post-Parkland school massacre, what has changed, what has not? Next on Good Morning Orlando. No bullets fired by law enforcement officers during the Pulse nightclub massacre hit civilians. That's the finding released by state officials after a two-year investigation. More than 400 shots were fired by 15 people, including the gunman, State Attorney Aramis Ayala. I want to be clear today. After a review of shots fired by law enforcement officers on June 12, 2016 at the Pulse nightclub, 
all officers have been cleared of any wrongdoing. No casualties were the result of friendly fire, and my review has now been complete. This news was welcomed by Orange County Sheriff John Mina, who was chief of Orlando Police at the time of the Pulse shooting. I'm relieved for the officers and deputies. Uh, the brave men and women who actually went inside there at risk to their own lives and now um, themselves uh, had a little bit of a final closure and, and relief that you know they weren't responsible for, for the death uh, of the victim. 49 people died and more than 50 others were injured on June 12, 2016. Talked about this um, earlier in the show and took a lot of calls and text messages on it. So glad to see the cops were cleared, uh, but why it took two and a half years to remove the cloud from them you know, and, and for the survivors who wanted this answer a lot sooner, I think there are still some questions that need answering in that regard. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Today marks one year since the deadly mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. Surrounded by the victims' families in Fort Lauderdale yesterday, Governor Ron DeSantis said the investigations are not over and announced he's launching a full-blown grand jury in hearing. This statewide grand jury will have uh, full bore subpoena power. They will be able to compel witnesses. They will be able to compel documents. DeSantis says he hopes the investigation will help prevent future mass shootings. 17 people were killed when a gunman opened fire on campus. And in a moment, we'll look into what has changed here and around the country in terms of um, defending schools against the next mass shooting and what has not. It's coming up. All right, bud. Orange County deputies shot at a man in Windermere who was armed with a gun and live streaming on Instagram last night. The deputies had responded to reports of a domestic violence incident involving 23-year-old LaForest Duran Gray Jr. and a woman he referred to as his wife. Gray was not hit by the gunshots, but he was bitten by a canine while resisting arrest and taken to the hospital. Charges are pending. A state lawmaker is walking back his comments about the future of UCF. Brevard County State Representative Randy Fine said yesterday the university could be shut down for up to a decade for misspending millions of state dollars. Fine later said the comment was not meant to be taken literally, and he was only trying to get UCF officials to realize how serious the situation is. And finally, the field for the Daytona 500 could see a shakeup tonight in the Gander RV duels. William Byron will sit on the pole for the Daytona 500 on Sunday. His Hendrick Motorsports teammate Alex Bowman will start to the outside of him in second. Those positions are the only ones locked in for the Daytona field. All other drivers who took part in qualifying set up their spot in today's Gander RV duels. Two races that will establish the remainder of the grid, pitting those who qualified for inside lane positions in one duel and outside post qualifiers in the other. It's a chance for drivers to lock in a better start spot for the great american race like bubba wallace last year's daytona 500 runner-up he'll start in the first duel in 17th and reigning champ austin Dillon, who will start in the second duel in fifth matt napolitano fox news wfla news time is 806 one new hampshire cop issues 19 tickets in just four hours you can find that story online at wflaorlando.com well they're gonna bring them down and put them on the winter springs uh, force, you know, <laughs> and they're all over the place. I don't know if they've ever given out tickets at that rate, though. He was a busy guy. He was. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. Rudman, Alan, Yaffe, Melissa, good morning and happy Valentine's Day. Did you see what happened in the control room? Well, I was trying to do a newscast, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw some activity in the control room. The boss, Linda Bird, came by on Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. handed out some goodies 
to Yaffe and Melissa, and somehow Mm. she runs all 10 stations we Mm. have in iHeartRadio. Couldn't (laughs) find her way into our side of the glass in the studio. She said she didn't want to interrupt you. Didn't want to interrupt. Oh, come on. That's what she said. Pretty lame. What did you get in there? Look, Whatever it was, it looked good. It was a yummy cookie. It was amazing, actually. I got a big... Big sugar cookie with like frosting on it, and it was pink and had sprinkles for Valentine's she Day. Us happy Valentine's Ma- Day, and that we are great. We're you all know, getting raises. I and- would be happy to stop <laughs> doing a newscast for a cookie. Yeah. You should. I mean, come on, give me a break here. And she didn't want to interrupt me. That's What's never bothered her before. Every time I want to talk to her about something, she's interrupting me and telling me the way it is. <laughs> There's got to be a cookie out there for us somewhere, Alan. Well, oh, well, in the meantime... We'll start hunting around 9 o'clock. Yeah, we're going to get into the, um, um, the one year since the Parkland school massacre. Um, and Heavy-duty morning when you also have the Pulse report coming out to relive mm. these things. I know how hard that is on you. We, we don't intentionally program a show that way, but we're all about what is happening, and these things are so important. In a moment, what has changed in the one year since the Parkland school massacre? What has not? And your view of the state of school safety and security wherever your kids or grandkids are going. If you want to get in early, and Robert, you're going to be first because you're waiting patiently on the 50,000-watt front porch, 407-916-5400. Toll-free number is 866-916-5400. If you'd like to text us, it's always open there at 23680, but know that standard message and data rate supply. Headline for you right now as we mark one day, one year since the Parkland School Massacre in Broward County. Governor Ron DeSantis seeking to hold people accountable for the uh, for the massacre that left 17 people dead one year ago today. In Fort Lauderdale yesterday, families of the victims joined the governor as he announced a petition has been filed to form a grand jury to investigate the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High and the state of school safety statewide. Uh, the governor saying the purpose of the grand jury will be to identify and hold those accountable for the Parkland shooting and suggest measures to prevent future tragedies in all 67 counties of Florida. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories. We do it for you all morning right here in Good Morning Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Tell you what, because he's been so patient and I want to run through some of the things that have changed post-Parkland in a year and things that have not, you know, and and the issue uh, of guns, and a lot of this is controversy, you know, some things have changed and some things have not. Legislation was passed here uh, that raised the minimum age to buy an AR-15 from 18 until 21 in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Act passed by the legislature, also imposed a three-day waiting period for customers buying rifles Uh, So those changes have been made. There has been no assault rifle ban, although the move continues to get that done and additional gun control um, by the, you know, by people of that persuasion. Uh, In terms of changes, the red flag law, of course, empowering law enforcement with court approval to take guns from people exhibiting violent behavior, you know, to to get somebody like a Nicholas Cruz out of circulation. So those changes have been made. In the area of school safety, uh, the discussion continues about giving teachers the the option. It's on a voluntary basis to be uh, trained so they can be armed and pack heat in the classroom. We support that. Governor DeSantis does. And the uh, Public Safety Commission recommended that uh, in the wake of their investigation post-Parkland. Um, the change that has happened... Every public school in Florida now required to protect students 
with at least one armed security guard. Um, this was all supposed to be in place in August, but as we noted earlier this week, Alan, Orange County uh, just made an announcement, um, and it was it was the sheriff, John Meener, used to be the OPD chief here, saying that they just now got every school covered. Right. You know, so we have a lot of inconsistency, and that's what this grand jury that um, that the governor is going to impanel here is is going to be all about finding out. Well, wait a minute. What counties are we really weak in securing our kids and our and our teachers and our and our and our administrators and our schools? You know, in case there's another, God forbid, uh, massacre like this or an attempted massacre, that it's not consistent. And some people are implementing what was recommended and mandated, and some some areas are not. I'm happy to see this grand jury probe of the uh, situation that happened at Parkland and how we can hopefully prevent future mass shootings. I've talked before about my trepidations, about my uh, having a two-year-old granddaughter who's going to be entering school in the next year or two. You bet. And, uh, you know, what is going to happen when she does? I don't think this situation can be examined enough. No, I don't think so either. And it was good to see the governor, and we talked about this earlier, uh, also by executive order, um, he is going to audit these promise programs that came out of the Obama era here um, that are that allow you know, trouble-making kids on a chronic basis uh, to continue to behave this way and uh, not run into law enforcement. And the whole idea was there's too many minority kids were getting suspended and in trouble, and then they wind up in jail, and then they have a life of crime ahead of them, etc. So let's cut them some slack. Well, that doesn't work, and it allows somebody like the gunman in Parkland, Nicholas Cruz, um, to stay in circulation. Uh, I, I like what the governor intends to do here to get a handle on these promise programs and get some accountability on what's going on in these school systems. So some changes have been made, some have not, post-Parkland. I'd like to know, we'd like to know your take on the state of school safety. Are you wrestling just as Alan is with his little precious granddaughter, Alan, um, Isla, uh, with, with, the, with whether or not it's as safe as it should be? one year after this horrible event. 407-916-5400. You can text us at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Updating Central Florida headlines, especially for those of you just joining us, an update on a story we brought you yesterday. Family members are pleading for help to try and find a missing mother of four from Brevard County. Coco, 31-year-old Tashawn Jackson, has been missing since Saturday, and relatives yesterday announced a $5,000 reward for information leading to her discovery. Jackson was last seen at a 7-Eleven at Dixon and Fisk Boulevards in Coco. Updates for you at least every 10 minutes in our top stories. Count on it all morning here in Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. As we mark one year since the terribly tragic unimaginably tragic Parkland School Massacre. 17 lives lost, 17 more hurt. Um, mostly students, some staff in Broward County. Um, what changes have been made? What changes still need to be made? That's the focus of our conversation. Yaffe, I know you'll be getting into this uh, for folks on the drive home tonight who want to catch you on PM Orlando. Yeah, and it's something we talked about last night as well. I'm like you, bud. I believe teachers voluntarily who want to be armed and trained should be allowed to be armed. It's their Second Amendment right already, and they should be able to be the last line of defense. Uh, other than that, I really think DeSantis is doing a great job and in looking into things the state needs to do. That's an important step. 
You'll be on from 5 to 6 tonight with all the news, yes. the weather, the traffic, and the whole deal. Uh, Melissa, any thoughts on, um, on, on the changes that have been made post-Parkland and what you'd most like to see be changed moving forward? Yeah, actually, uh, I, I still don't want the teachers armed. I don't think that we've done enough yet to, uh, to figure out this promise program and get rid of it all the way across the board. But we're going to figure it out. It's going to be done. I you, believe in Ron DeSantis. You, you do understand, taking Parkland as the model, mm-hmm. that the gunman there reloaded five times. So there was a space between when he was active. A shooter, a, a teacher with a gun, could have taken him out. Wouldn't have saved all the lives. Would clearly, I believe, have saved a great many. Well, I know a couple of teachers who have the concealed carry permits and such. And frankly, they don't want the responsibility but well, I they don't have to have it. It's, it's all voluntary is the key to guards, this. Armed guards, armed guards. Yeah, but you know what? If you have one armed guard in every school, which we now apparently have or are supposed to have, okay? Right. Uh, you know, a shooter, the whole thing can be over in two or three minutes, and that guard could be at the other end of the campus and never is a part of, you know, the effort to save lives. Yeah, and, 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 and that is an issue with that. Oh, I know. There and, just are not enough cops, but you could train on a voluntary basis an endless number of teachers, so at least you would have some capability of firing back. I heard instead a good of this idea. fish in a barrel uh, scenario that we find in True. our gun-free zone schools. I did hear a good idea, though. Key fobs with uh, entrances to the school and to classrooms, etc. Why are we not using the key passes like we have here? Yeah. Well, oh. there you go. There, there's another aspect of it. And I, I think don't... some schools already do that, but more schools probably need yeah. to do something like that. Anything on the text line? Uh, yeah, you were talking about the Promise Program and the reason why they implemented the Promise Program was they believed too many minority kids were being punished. Uh, this person says, it doesn't matter your color or ethnic background. Crime is crime and should be treated accordingly. So talking about equal justice under the law, that really should be the goal. Yeah, and bad behavior is bad behavior. Yeah. You know, and um, at any rate, there we go. We've talked a lot about it here. And um, I know we'll be talking more. Hearts are still broken here. And you know, we'll never feel the same, will we, about Valentine's Day when it is always the anniversary of the worst massacre we have had here uh, in the state of Florida. And we've talked a lot about it this morning, Alan. And, of course, also the uh, report on the Pulse uh, nightclub massacre, which has come out in conjunction with this observance. Um, as we look to the bottom of the hour, what's coming in the news? Uh, we'll talk more about the Pulse report that's just in. And also a situation over in Hillsborough County, one year after Parkland, where a 12-year-old girl uh, creates a false alarm and a couple of schools are placed on lockdown. Those stories and more, along with traffic and weather together, in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. It's 829. Alongside the uh, Bud Man, my co-host Alan Spector, ready with a bottom-of-the-hour news update for you. But first, we've got a caller on um, the changes that have and have not been made post-Parkland school massacre and the ongoing controversy in the legislature and everywhere, really, should we arm teachers on a voluntary basis. This should be an interesting perspective because Kelly, who's on the line, is a teacher. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I am well. I'm driving to into my very large middle school campus in a local community unarmed. Last year, I had a student open the back door, external door, to let an unknown adult onto the campus. I am armed every time I leave my house except to come to school. 
and I encounter my students, the grocery store, at church, Pizza Hut, whatever it is, I'm armed every single time. And it's a responsibility you accept when you conceal carry out of your house. This should be no different here. Nobody's going to make a teacher carry a weapon who doesn't want to carry a weapon. But by golly, I want the chance to protect us when we're here. I I have a question about this. I've never really heard it addressed. Maybe it has been. But, Kelly, when you're at school, where do you keep the gun to ensure that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands? Glove compartment, I'll bet. No, no, I don't have one on school. Oh, you do? You, no, you, no, you no. Do, you do have well, it in I would the school? Do, if, if they would let us conceal carry, I think a safe way for, some, for a female especially who doesn't have the straight lines to carry on her person, I think keeping it in a safe uh, locked box in your um, desk drawer, bolted in perhaps, if not wear it in a, excuse me, but a bra holster perhaps, something along those lines would be safe. So you are, you are an advocate for teachers on a voluntary basis being armed? Yes, I am. Thank you for calling, Kelly. We appreciate you. Thank you so very much. To the news, Alan. We've been talking about Parkland, and now we're talking about Pulse. The state attorney's office has completed a review of the deadly mass shooting at Orlando's Pulse nightclub on June 12, 2016. Chief Assistant State Attorney Deborah Barra announced their conclusion after an exhaustive examination of the evidence. Each and every engagement, new civilians were struck. And each time the law enforcement officer pulled the trigger, it was reasonable and justifiable. State Attorney Aramis Ayala says the 14 officers involved that night have all been cleared of any wrongdoing and no casualties were the result of friendly fire. 49 people died, more than 50 others were wounded. The gunman was shot and killed by police. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A 12-year-old girl is now facing felony charges for lying about seeing an armed person on campus at a middle school in Hillsborough County. That forced lockdowns at that school and a nearby elementary school. Sheriff Chad Cronister says the law is unforgiving when it comes to these types of hoaxes. There's no room for any type of entertainment, joke, any type of made-up threat. I think that the only way to handle this is by taking a hard-line stance and making sure all of our children know, all of our young people know, that if you make a school-based threat, it's no different than making a threat in an airport or in an airplane. Chronister says his deputies responded exactly as they should have. He said today being one year since the Parkland shooting heightened the sense of urgency in his agency's response. The president, still noncommittal about whether he'll sign that border security deal reached by lawmakers. Here's the latest from the White House. The border deal provides nearly $1.4 billion for new fencing along the southern border, far short of the $5.7 billion the president demanded. But on Wednesday, the president was touting the overall figure that the deal provides for border security. The numbers are almost $23 billion, which you don't report too often. It's about an 8% increase over last year. Even if he signs the funding bill, the president has floated declaring a national emergency to access more funds for a border wall. That would likely draw legal challenges. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News. A federal judge says that former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort lied to the special counsel's team in violation of his plea deal. The decision means Manafort probably won't get a lighter sentence for the crimes he pled guilty to. Manafort's attorneys had claimed that while he might have forgotten some details, he did not lie to attorneys investigating Russia's attempt to influence the 2016 presidential election. And elsewhere...
That's one of my all-time favorite bands from the 80s, Def Leppard. Went to see them in Tampa in August. Cool. Great, great show. Yep. And now uh, Def Leppard is getting their own concert residency in Las Vegas. It's called Def Leppard Hits Vegas, the Sin City Residency. It'll run from August to September at Zappos Theater in Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. Tickets go on sale February. Well, actually, they went on sale this past Tuesday. And I believe that was for a private sale. Uh, tickets to the general public go on sale the 22nd. And I'm examining my bank account now to see if I can afford a trip to Las Vegas <laughs> and tickets to see Def Leppard. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other veteran bands, Aerosmith getting its own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame today. It'll be located right in front of the Musicians Institute. And Aerosmith is gearing up for their own Las Vegas residency starting in April. And I feel obligated to report this next story. Um, while you were away nursing your injured leg, bud, yes. I provided some award-winning updates on the brilliant TV show Celebrity Big Brother. And we now have the final results. Singer Tamar Braxton is making history as the first black female to win the U.S. version of Big Brother. She beat professional football player Ricky Williams by a unanimous vote on the season finale of Big Brother. She smoked past him? Yeah, smoked past him, yes. Ricky, uh, <laughs> noted marijuana user, uh, Ricky Williams, uh, he, he finished second on Big Brother, Celebrity Edition last night. Ricky won the final two head of household competitions of the season. The rest of the top five, oh, so many of your favorites. Olympian Lolo Jones, singer Candy Burris, and TV personality and mother of Lindsay Lohan, Dina Lohan. I'm out on medical leave with a bad leg, and you run amok in here. He did. There's no quality control at all. No, there isn't. <laughs> and you're proud of it. I am. And you now, mean you weren't watching Big Brother every episode when you were gone, bud? Oh, I missed a few, yeah. <laughs> you know, Ryan Lochte was on it, and he's always fun. I remember he was like the off-the-wall swimmer, wasn't he? Yeah, he still is. Yeah, yeah. All right. He never got on the wall. Still off it. We're not talking about the wall. Don't get me going on that. Uh. For Valentine's Day, what would be more appropriate than to have the best heart doctor you will find anywhere? My heart doctor, Ken Kronhaus, on the show. So happens Valentine's Day happens on a Thursday. So happens we always do the house call with breaking health and medical news on Thursday. Coming up here in just a moment, a heart-related story on how Valentine's Day can be good for your heart. But also we have this measles outbreak continuing, and there are calls for vaccination growing louder. Um, Dr. K with the house call, never to be missed, and coming right up after we update Orlando's news, weather in traffic, and we'll do that very quickly in two minutes for you here. So stick around on Good Morning Orlando. Headlines right now. A state lawmaker is walking back his comments about the future of UCF. Brevard County State Representative Randy Fine said yesterday that the university could be shut down for up to a decade for misspending millions of state dollars. Fine later said, after all the hue and cry and criticism, that the comment was not meant to be taken literally. He was only trying to get UCF officials to realize how serious the situation is. For you, updates at least every 10 minutes. The promise all morning and good morning, Orlando. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. Doc, 
My heart doctor, happy Valentine's Day to you, and welcome, as always, to the 50,000-watt front porch. Happy Valentine's Day to you, bud. Great day to be with you. All right, here we go. You've got some research on the benefits of exercise for older guys. What's up? But the news this week is that exercise can give a boost to the brains of middle-aged men. According to a study published in the Journal of Applied Physiology this week, older men who work out get better improvements in their cognitive processes than women. This brain efficiency pattern is largely responsible for controlling a person's ability to focus, pay attention, and manage time. Why gender of the person makes a difference in the overall effect that exercise has on the brain is unknown. Interesting. And you have some other research as well um, that really surprises me here that a lot of kids have sleep apnea. I thought that was something only older guys had to deal with. Apparently not. And apparently a lot of these cases are never diagnosed. Exactly. Out of the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association this week, the vast majority of children, bud, with sleep apnea go untreated because they do not know they have it. About 90% of kids with sleep apnea go undiagnosed. That's important because up to 15% of all children have sleep apnea or some other form of sleep disordered breathing. Children who have behavior problems or are suspected to have ADHD might actually be suffering from a chronic lack of of restorative sleep. Symptoms of sleep disordered breathing and obstructive sleep apnea include in children excessive sleepiness, irritability, snoring, restless sleep, teeth grinding and jaw clenching, migraines and bedwetting. Oh, that's interesting. Can you diagnose whether your, your child has sleep apnea by just watching them sleep and see whether they just stop breathing, which, of course, is what happens with sleep apnea? Exactly, and also looking for the symptoms that I just went through. Very. And it's really confused with ADHD. Interesting. Doc, a lot of folks, young people, think that, you know, smoking marijuana is going to do no harm whatsoever, and it's all part of the movement to try and legalize marijuana and if you're in those camps, you need to listen to what Doc has to say now. Okay, don't shoot the messenger. This is not an editorial. I'm just reporting what's in the medical journal this week. This is JAMA Psychiatry. Pot is particularly dangerous to the teenage brain is the headline. Not only are those who smoke marijuana more likely to suffer depression and suicidal thoughts, they are also more than three times as likely to attempt suicide between ages 18 and 32. Teens and preteens should avoid cannabis as uses associated with a significant increased risk of de developing depression or committing suicide in young adulthood. Very important research there. And, you know, we thought we had beaten measles, and now they got an outbreak coming out of the, uh, out of the far western part of the United States. And, and one of the problems is it's so contagious, and a lot of parents won't vaccinate their kids because they've got problems fears about the vaccination. I need to get you to comment on this. this exactly. Morning. All correct. More than 50 people have now been infected by the measles in an outbreak across southwest Washington state, northwest Oregon, where vaccination rates, bud, are among the, the lowest in the nation. And it is causing people now to finally get vaccinated. Measles was officially declared eliminated in the United States in the year 2000. A return of widespread measles is not inevitable, but to be sure we prevent it, we need to address vaccine refusal directly. We know we have a significant number of folks just listening statistics would suggest who either suffer from severe depression or 
knows somebody in their circle of family and friends who does. There is some encouraging news on that front this morning, isn't there? This could be a big breakthrough. An experimental medication for depression called esketamine, related to the hallucinogenic street drug ketamine, a crucial endorsement from an independent advisory committee convened by the FDA this past Tuesday actually approved this. The drug delivered in a nasal spray is related to the anesthetic ketamine. If approved, it would be the first major depression treatment approved in decades. The drug was tested in combination with oral antidepressants as a therapy for treatment-resistant depression. The panel's endorsement will play a part in the FDA's decision on whether to approve the drug expected by March 4th. Long-term effects of this drug are unknown. My prediction is this drug will be approved for treatment-resistant depression with long-term follow-up study required. Give us the name of that drug for folks who are just connecting to that this morning. Sure. Esketamine, E-S-K-E-T-A-M-I-N-E. That's going to be the scientific name. You can Google that, look it up, and get uh, more information on it. Before you go, I mean... You're my heart doctor here. we got to have you go out on Valentine's Day with a story about the heart. What you got? All right. Let me know how much time I have. About a minute. The the stuff of Valentine's Day, chocolate, red wine, and expressions of love, but can not only make the heart go pitter-patter in a romantic fashion, they can also lead to better heart health. This is all evidence-based. Chocolate, red wine, and love can play a role in keeping the blood flowing through the body. A little of each in moderation is not too bad. So what can love do for us? It can help prevent plaque buildup in the arteries. It can protect against heart disease. Love boosts levels of antibodies in the body. It reduces level of stress chemicals, which can damage the immune system. It can lower risk of disease in general. It decreases risk of early death and it lengthens life. So in moderation, chocolate, love, a little bit of red wine, You can have a festive day. It's all good for your heart. Well, I like that. That's the way to go out. Um, Terrific. And we appreciate it always when you join us here on Good Morning Orlando. The incomparable Dr. Ken Kronhouse, my heart doctor for a decade and a half. Um, And it's great when you join us for the house call. Have a wonderful day at, um, at Lake Cardiology and happy Valentine's Day to you, my good friend. Happy Valentine's Day. Be well, bud. All right. Now, if you want the best in heart care, schedule an appointment. With Dr. Ken Kronhaus, find out whether or not his groundbreaking BudScan 2.0 heart scan that most insurance covers will be right for you. It's a lifesaver, I can tell you firsthand, because it saved my life. Here's the number to reach Dr. Kronhaus and his staff at Lake Cardiology. 352-735-1400. 352-735-1400. You call him and book an appointment and tell him I sent you. And catch Doc on his nationally syndicated radio program every Sunday afternoon at 2 right here on WFLA. Good day, health with Dr. Ken. I have Yaffe and Melissa on assignment in the control room to bring us the very latest on this border security legislation. The text is just out. Is the president going to sign it? An update coming right after we tell you about Laura Peterson at Frontgate Realty, the best realtor I think I could possibly refer you to. If you're thinking about selling your home, you had it previously listed, it didn't sell, you need to connect with Laura Peterson. She will show you how she nets her sellers 2% more money than the average agent and 
have your home showcased directly to over 6,700 actual ready home buyers. Yeah, these are folks just looking to buy homes right now and quite possibly yours. Laura's results are really staggering. No matter where you live in the Orlando area, you're going to get top-level service, higher profits from your sale. And when most agents only focus on Internet marketing your home, Laura will guarantee to sell your home at your price or she's going to buy it herself guaranteed in writing. Don't you love that? So don't just call any realtor when you can get the top realtor in the area who sells her homes 22% faster than the average agent. Tiffany was thrilled with the results, said working with Laura from Frontgate Realty was just wonderful. I mean, it couldn't have asked for a better experience. She was so knowledgeable uh, of all the properties in the area and, and, and just did a great job. She listened to exactly what we were looking for and helped us find our dream home. I want you to connect with Laura Peterson. Here's the number, 407-566-2555. You call her, 407-566-2555, and start packing. More online at laurahasthebuyers.com. I'll wrap up now with a very latest drama out of Washington, border security bill related. Will the president sign it or not? Details coming up after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. A final time in two minutes here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. Headlining our final quick talk topic here a bipartisan border deal could be up for a vote in the floor of the House and of the Senate sometime today, sometime tonight, providing, among other things, nearly $1.4 billion to build just 55 miles of steel barrier along the Mexican border. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories throughout the morning here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Alan, while you and I have been working, Yaffe and Melissa have been scoping out what's going on in Washington on this border security deal and the legislation and all of that stuff. What's up quickly? Well, the bill is 1,159 pages long, and obviously they will not have 72 hours to read it. I think I read it all in the last three hours, and wow, I'm disappointed in it. I well, really am. you think the president's going to sign it? I still believe he will, but no word on that. Am I correct? Not no. a bit. He's not no. up yet. Not uh, not tweeting. Not yet. So I've called, and apparently he's uh, said hold his calls to at least eleven. Ah, sleeping in. <laughs> little executive time there. Yeah, well, right. you know. Hey, you're on for the ride home this afternoon, Yaffe. Yep, five to six p.m. We'll have breaking news. PM Orlando, and then at 9, your own show, Melissa. That's right, Connection Show. We'll be talking about skeletons in your closet. There we go. Shameless self-promotion or us, and that'll wrap it up. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, from all of us on Good Morning Orlando. Have a great day. God bless you, and God bless America.